Welcome to the St. James Parish Podcast. Enjoy sermons, lectures, and special presentations from St. James Episcopal Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. Most of us in here, I think, are grown-ups. We've got a few that still have a few years to go. But what do you want to be now that you're grown up? Or just what do you want to be now? We'll be good. At one time, I would have told you I wanted to be a concert pianist. But that went away when I learned I had to practice every day. Then I, in college, I thought being a dancer would be the most freeing thing in the world to just float across the stage uninhibited. But I wasn't quite ready to give up sugar and pizza three nights a week with my friends, which in turn made the body not perform quite to par of a dancer. But I didn't ask you what you wanted to be when you were growing up. I asked you, what do you want to be now? In Wayne Muller's book, Sabbath, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives, he discusses our theology of progress. We think only when we get to the end can we lie down in green pastures, be led by still waters, and allow our soul to be restored. And it's too bad that we often save this psalm, Psalm 23, for death thinking that it's only in death that we get to reach our potential. I'm sure there's more to come. But what if we could find our heart's desire, peace, and rest for our souls each day by day, being and doing what God created us to be and do? No doubt our fishermen and tax-collecting disciples would have thought, would never have thought of being church leaders. But here they find themselves with Jesus. They've watched Jesus heal. They've heard him preach and tell stories, a lot of which didn't make sense to them. They've witnessed him feeding the thousands. They've noticed that he hangs out with the wrong kind of so-called people. And the religious leaders of his day, the, only, the ones they would have normally looked to to trust, were always asking for more. More signs from heaven, more testing, more probing and wondering. They all have an opinion about Jesus. But in this rubber-meets-the-road moment, Jesus asked those closest to him, What about you? Now, there's a lot more involved than Jesus just asking the results of a disciple's public opinion poll. But he wants to know what those who will continue his work and mission think. Peter responds beautifully, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That confession sounds much like what we profess each week in our creeds. And we still say those words because it is important to settle the issue of who Jesus is. 
And it's, it was important for the disciples and for us to know the one whom we have chosen to follow and to reorder our lives to serve. And sometimes we just need to say it out loud what we do believe. You're the Christ, the son of the living God, just rolls off of our tongues, though. And this confession is only the beginning. What does that confession of faith mean? I can say I want to follow Jesus. I wanted to be a concert pianist or a dancer. Desire and even confessing such didn't make it so. The Reverend Don Nyhaus, now deceased, he understood and stressed that personal confession of faith will always lead to commitment. But he also urged us to remember that the first and real commitment came and is from God. From the very beginning, God had said he would be with his people. You are my people. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I will write my law on your hearts. After Peter's confession, Jesus reminds Peter that the source of his faith in God is God himself. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Even our ability to confess Jesus as Lord comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is God's commitment to us. And then, upon this foundation of faith in Christ, is then built the church, the people of God. And this is where the trouble starts. This is where we are invited to participate, where we are invited to commit. The problem is, and I can be the worst offender, we think the buildings and the programs and all the stuff to do is what makes the church. And if we're not careful, we'll fill every second of the day with our own agendas rather than focusing on the special gifts that God has given each of us. The worst part about our so-called do-gooding and things that keep us busy, all good things and all things that need to be necessary, is we convince ourselves that this is how God wants us to serve. And it may be how God wants someone else to serve, to do some of what we are doing. So how do we remove ourselves? Or how do we insert ourselves into something that's not ours to do? How do we get away from something that's not ours to do? Still our hearts enough to even discover our gifts, much less hone our skills and develop gifts in each person. Again, I can't say I've mastered this call, but the Apostle Paul has some words that help. He says, be transformed by renewing your minds. And it's difficult to renew our minds when we seldom slow down long enough to even think. Paul says it begins with our bodies. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's our spiritual worship. Unfortunately, this statement gets 
overburdened by thinking in terms of some unattainable moral objective which seeks mostly to judge others rather than taking the time to look inward to see how we ourselves have become filled with anxiety, eat poorly, and ignore even signs of declining health. Paul says, stop. Don't conform to what's going around. When we conform to the rat race of life, our families suffer. Kids are worked to the bone in the, in the name of giving them every advantage, and we too often sacrifice our families to the idols of progress rather than teaching them to be the very best that God has created them to be. Henry Nouwen was a keen observer of the worried, overfilled lives and insisted that the noise of our lives has made us deaf, unable to hear what when we're called. He said our lives have become absurd, which is the Latin, in Latin actually means deaf. In our spiritual lives, we, he says, we need to listen to God who constantly speaks, but whom we seldom hear in our hurried deafness. Peter's confession marks a crisis in our gospel story. Jesus will be headed to the cross, and although Peter didn't know it at the moment, he needed to know for himself exactly who Jesus was and is. Telling others about his belief would have to wait, and it would take a whole lot longer for Peter to fully embrace all that he had confessed. But this was the moment when Peter knew for himself he was in this thing for life and who he, in turn, would now be regardless of what he would do. And that would be a follower of Christ. It may sound hokey, but I want to be a follower of Christ. When we settle the issue of who Jesus is to us. And we fully comprehend that it's God who wants nothing but the very best for us. We can do anything. The same God who created us, saved us, and live in us, want, lives in us wants to help us become the very thing that fills our souls, opens our hearts, and allows us to lie down in still waters now, not just in the life to come. So go in peace, my friends, and be and do all that God has created you to be. Amen.